1: So, you know, we're just jumping into it. It's me. I'm here with Bed Stibrat and Chelsea Pinky.
2: On red or reply.
1: Um, yes, jumping into my on red or reply, um, I am going to leave this odd change of weather in New York City on red. It was beautiful, it was sunny, it was 70s. We was outside, stop smirking, Chelsea. Because I feel like you're about to be
0: like, well, I live in California. <laughs> 72 here was 71 was yesterday. Poolside all weekend. <laughs> 75 right. the day before.
1: So, you know, it was cute. The girls were feeling our oats. We was outside. Today, I kid you not, I was about to go get the bubble. I was like, oh, That's no, no. That's
2: ridiculous. No. This is it
1: unreal. Was like, it was cold and windy and little droplets of rain. And it was terrible. And I just need New York to make up its mind because it's like, are we outside or are we inside? Are we inside or are we outside? Like, I'm not doing this with y'all anymore. I'm really tired of it. As a Black person, I require Uh sunlight and sun, vitamin D. Y'all are giving drear. It's giving London. It's giving sad places that I don't want to be. So yeah, I'm good on that. That was my red reply oh my god i'm replying okay i'm half replying to i'm kind of like a pothead again oh like, my god it's so crazy like it's so crazy so i if you don't know this about me i love to go to the movies to sleep like i think the movie theater is the ideal place to catch an amazing nap you get so on snacks strange. And you have like fountain soda and like, if you are an adult who cares about your body, hopefully you're not consuming fountain soda all the time. So you're just like, oh my God, what a treat. And then you crash <laughs> in a dark, beautiful space and I just love it. So I took my ass to the eye pick, which is like this bougie oh, ass you can lay down. We're in these little pods and the <laughs> seats recline and I, I saw that Harry the movie theaters here do that. Whatever, girl. All, all the movie theaters in LA recline, go to Inglewood. They were I was going to say, what here. about when La Inglewood is Inglewood
0: is very nice. <laughs> Don't let the TV fool you.
1: It's getting um, No, I know. I got that SoFi, <laughs> Sophie Stadium. But anyways, it was like, it. I, I had a whole plan. I went to go see that Harry Potter, Dumbledore shit, but I had never seen the first one, so I had no idea what was going on. And then- I decided to smoke before, so I really had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Unfortunately, pick wasn't serving food that day because it was Easter, and they were like, we didn't get our shipment of food. And I was like, so you took my what? 25 American dollars, and we now you I'm going to sit I'm here food? and eat uh, uh, popcorn and M&Ms? Like, I'm at Court Street Movie Theater? No, absolutely I not. Like so I looked at the girl who worked there, and I was like, well... I'm bringing. Food I'm
2: getting food. <laughs>
1: yeah, i literally was like, I'm bringing food in here, and she was like, "Well, if we can't see it, we can't say anything." I was like, "Bet, why did we go to a PF Chang's get mad food ghetto, like, because you we, know you were smelling up the theater? <laughs> smuggled in like a thing of Kung pao chicken. What liquor. in a movie theater? <laughs> Ew, that
0: is so gross."
1: It was the ghetto. And I was high as hell enjoying every fucking bite. Was this like it a was, matinee? It's like 7 p.m. And you're in your little Oh my God. Pod. Oh, you're lucky, okay. I, you're, you're like, lucky I wasn't God. sitting next
0: to you. Because I would have been like, who is? What's the <laughs> food? Wow. It smells <laughs> in here.
1: Wow. I can't concentrate you're, on the movie because of this you're smell. You're in your own little <laughs> pod. One. Two. They already serve food. Like they serve like fucking like tuna over crispy rice. So <laughs> What the fuck is the difference with my Kung Pao chicken? I'm like, y'all didn't have food. So what was I supposed to do? Did everyone else have food? Did everyone else order food? I don't know. They probably <laughs> just fucked up and and just got popcorn and M&Ms. I don't know. I can't, I can't help them. Like, the fucked up suck. part though, where I'm saying I'm slightly, like I'm slightly replying is because usually I smoke with my man and we're just like high in bed together and go to sleep. I have not had to interact with him other human beings Hi, this man was trying to take my order he was asking me stuff I was like <laughs> oh like, my god laughing. I love
0: interacting with people I so funny
1: just laughing at everything and like we're smuggling in food and these people <laughs> come and like take your order so we got like a full we have like a full table <laughs> of food and then they're like oh i get you something and we're just like <laughs> like it was so ridiculous but i loved every minute of it i did and then i fell asleep and it was it was
2: great i feel like i was now, just so stressed I, sleeping in the movie like i was like red. i need to keep my eyes open i'm missing something yeah i can't i can't yeah. like i can't sleep with things on it, well like, i don't go I with like any intent
1: of, of processing the film like it's just a 50 dollar nap right it's the 50 dollar nap <laughs> and it's a nice reset i highly recommend it hmm i'm going back and i'm gonna bring an eye mask <laughs> and a blanket
2: shut up uh, on your couch go to one of those Great. nap places that they have in the city there's things that are made for that really no because on your house.
1: enjoy the, house. the sound like i love how loud put on a movie on your
2: it television
1: feels like it feels like a i don't know like a security blanket
2: I'm willing to entertain this, I guess. I don't know. I feel you got to be high for it, though. I mean, I fall asleep really in really every helps.
1: single film. My ex on our third date took me to the movies and literally was like, so you slept the whole time. And I was like, damn. It's like without fail. I'm knocked.
2: Can't take
0: her. I like can't lower. sleep in a movie and I can't pee. Like I will literally squeeze
1: my pee in.
0: <laughs> <You want> <laughs> pee? <laughs> no, because I don't want to miss the movie.
1: Oh, nah. Mm-mm. But yeah, oh. so that's that's my story. And now wow. I'm gonna go home, smoke my little joint. Mind you, I could take like three hits. It's hilarious and go to bed. I can't wait.
2: I did have some edibles recently and it was amazing. Really? I had the best sleep of my life. It was fantastic. I felt on well, air. well
0: you know, um, in California you can just like go to the corner store and like there's weed You there's could go edibles. to a corner store in Brooklyn, girl. They <laughs> yeah, got- but you, you you want that um, synthetic uh, weed that they sell at the corner stores in Brooklyn? They be Who's buying like- weed at a
1: corner store in Brooklyn? Honestly, they're really getting out of control. They be having these <laughs> little stores. They call it like Zaza Land.
2: I'm gonna-
1: <gasps>
0: they
2: do have those, up. and they'll be like mad colorful and have like little like animated weed nuggets and shit. Okay,
0: but for people who are new to smoking, I don't suggest... Going to a place like that. It's unregulated and it's dangerous. There's a mother child. Ronald
1: Reagan Pinky. Say <laughs> <Stay laughs> no to
0: drugs. um Yeah. Well, good for uh, you. I'm glad you've joined the weed gang.
1: Thank you. I don't think I will smoke weed with any of y'all. I think I'm just going to keep it to my small little confined experiences that's
0: good who said we wanted to sh- i wanted to share my weed anyways
1: i'm just saying i still <laughs> notice the like little bits of anxiety at times and then i'll be like "Ooh, ooh, that is
0: so interesting maybe you just like haven't found your your right strain
1: i don't know for a moment, I was like on Instagram and I was like, wow, everyone is ugly and awful and horrible <sighs> people. Like, it was really fucked up. It was like, I went to this existential place about how Instagram is like full of vanity and sadness and everyone needs to go there for self gratification. And like, oh, I God. don't know how my brain goes there. And that's why I don't smoke weed because I just be, it'd be, I'd be,
2: I I be doing exactly. too much.
1: Wow. I'm like literally the opposite. Like, I said
0: something and it's, I know it's kind of fucked up because. I think Rue says it in Euphoria and she's like, I have to take drugs to be myself. It's Mm. fucked up to say that. But I'm like, when I smoke weed, I feel more like myself. Like, I just feel relaxed, calm. I actually have no anxiety. (laughs) Like, yeah, it just feels great. I'm like, wow, I just don't care. It's great. It's funny
1: because I'm sorry that this has not become a whole introduction about marijuana, but like- (laughs) when I was younger it was amazing and I think now that I'm older and I get more like critical and I'm not normally a critical person it's like the opposite whereas people who are like more anxious and probably like without weed are more like in the weeds of things it's like it calms them down so I don't know what the fuck happened all I know is I smoked two blunts to the face hot box in a car in Hartford Connecticut in 2012 and I've never been the same I mean, We're a hot home. box
0: is tough. A hot box is tough. Like a after hot that box day, is I up.
1: just something was off. Yeah, a hot box.
2: I hit my bowl in my parents' living room and was never the same. <laughs> by myself, well, tweaking when you when and... you buy weed from
0: the corner store,
2: that's what well, happens. I land. No, right. <laughs> maybe get some real weed. <laughs> well, guys, if, if you too
1: struggle with marijuana, let us know. <laughs>
0: I, I love marijuana. Oh, I think it's a great drug. Great
2: drug. I'll hop in. I'm going to reply to my weekend. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I went to this town in the mountains in Mexico called Quetzalan, But the time that I went, it was raining and mist, And I missed this episode that we had to record. And I was sleeping in some random person's bed. And it was wet and damp and drama, drama. This time, the weather was fucking stunning. We went with a group of eight people um my friend got the sprinter to take us from mexico city up there i saw like, that how
1: the fuck did y'all do that
2: girl don't even know have no clue in the sprinter chilling went to the to the like little rest stop got mad beers making micheladas in the car on the way went up to these, these this like eco lodge cabin situation that my friend's friend's family owns and for the weekend, he was throwing like a music festival there starting Friday night, Saturday night, and then Sunday was like a day party. And we were like chokingly calling it quetz because last it's called Coachella. So the first night, there was all these different DJs. A couple people in our group were DJing popping ass music. The next day, there was a um, cumbia band that was like a 10-person band mad fun and we're up in this place in the fucking mountains this view is crazy there's a pool like right on the edge of this Mm. like mountain um and like the Sunday put in the
1: show notes if anyone ever wants to go there it is such a dope location
2: so fire the Sunday the weather was so perfect one of the guys on our trip was DJing we're just drinking margaritas swimming like so iconic amazing um what I'm gonna leave on red is something that's amazing about this place places, they have tons of um, waterfalls and you can do tons of excursions and shit. And it was just hitting me more and more that a bitch can't swim. And that shit is
3: so annoying. You we can't
2: swim? No. Well,
1: but like, not like, did you like to get through the waterfall? Like, you We didn't go to that off.
2: one. Thank God I was glad that we didn't go to that one. But we went to you one need to that was the to take a swimming
1: most... class. That's a life
2: skill. No. So here's the thing. Speaking of the weed shit, like I grew up in my- preschool daycare there was like a pool in there we had to swim every single day like I used to swim and then I had like three near drowning experiences oh, in my okay and then I it just like fucked me up You're and so scared yeah I guess so like it, yeah actually I almost drowned in the fucking waterfall bro like we were trying to go and go from from like the shore to go underneath the waterfall I we really wanted to like feel the waterfall hit my back and I was with one of my friends new friends And I was like, I know it gets deep in the middle. Like, so I'm going to hold on to you. Let me know when it gets deep. He's like, it's fine. Let's go. Let you know when it gets deep. Immediately it gets deep. Like I put my foot down. I feel nothing. I thought I was going to have like at least five steps. It was instant. I started tripping. I was pulling the boy, the poor boy underneath the damn water. Like, like, oh, D. The next thing I know, I turn around. There's a lifeguard with a ringlet thing holding out his arm to pull me in. That was the drama last yes this past weekend <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you that just is... gotta get your like doggy paddle
2: like oh we're
0: floaties and your are they were gonna give me floaties
2: i've mm. been in i've been in floaties before that uh, were perhaps def- defunct because i still was <laughs> De- sinking, d- deflated i don't know i did go like scuba diving in grenada and the water was hella fucking deep with just like a little like tube thing underneath of me by the grace of God, I'm so glad I did that because they have, like, those underwater, like, uh, statues yeah, and shit. at the museum. And, too, yeah, yeah. I would have been so tight if I didn't see that. That's just the thing. I'm like, damn, there are things I'm missing out on because I don't know how to do
1: things. I'm not going to lie. I don't fuck with, like, underwater and then I got to breathe out of a thing. Like, nah. Yeah, I don't love that either.
2: I, know. I was always think i going to see a shark Because <laughs> <laughs> you're just, like, floating, you know? I don't know. It was OD. We went to this one waterfall that was absolutely stunning, gorgeous, amazingly beautiful and I get to do a pretty long swim across to get to the waterfall and everybody went across and I was just chilling on the shore with these people's dogs, like fronting, like I was going to watch the dogs, like oh, just chill with the dogs whole time. Even if I wanted to go over there, I fucking couldn't. So <laughs> I'm going to sign up for the Y this summer. I didn't do it before because Loki is mad expensive, which is ridiculous. It's like $600 or something, maybe more for fucking for the whole swim summer? lessons, like four lessons or something like that. I'm like, I don't even know how to swim after that.
1: um, It's great exercise.
2: Yeah, you've been good in four lessons. Maybe. I I had started to learn how to swim when I was in the Peace Corps. One of my friends there was literally like going to the Olympic trials for swimming. Like she's a bomb-ass swimmer. So we started off. She taught me how to float. And then the bitch left the fucking Peace Corps. (laughs) So she left me with the one skill. But I feel like with the floating... I'm already like a third of the way Listeners, down.
1: will Glenn learn how to swim first or drive first? <laughs> Let's have a poll.
2: I'm going to do swimming because I'm going to just sign up for the class. That's easier. Like that feels contained. Driving feels like a, a very, like a process. Like lots of lessons. I'm to take the <laughs> five hour class again. My fucking road you test is about expire. to expire. <laughs> I'm going to take the, five, the road <laughs> test again. Like that shit this is going to be another year. <laughs> <laughs> at the least
1: just like what just don't know how to drive like i'm, I'm know entering she's gonna it. think it's cool
2: she's gonna like it's a story no no because i met someone i met some woman that can't drive and i was like Roger, oh, this is embarrassing i thought it was unattractive they were like yeah well my son takes me everywhere i need to go and i'm like i'm not waiting for my fucking son to come get me however i'm entering into the new world and i'll have a fucking hovercraft in 10 years Some shit i don't know <laughs> I'll take Ubers until then. I'll get there. I'll learn how to drive eventually. It's just not a priority right now. I'm going to get the swimming. I'm about to, actually, when we hang up, I'm going to sign up for my swim classes.
1: Harold, yeah. come get me from the Y. <laughs> right.
0: right. How are you getting to the swim classes? What if the train breaks down? On I'm my feet. Be on, a
2: train. <laughs> on my feet. I'm going right down there to the Bedford YMCA. The Bike. <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> go ahead, Chelsea. <laughs> i don't know why that whole story was fucking hilarious to me i'm glad you didn't drown <laughs>
2: i'm
0: <laughs> glad you <glad laughs> did not in, drown
2: it's deep i'm like yeah <laughs> it happened in two fucking seconds two seconds and literally i'm drowning him and he's
1: give you little out. steps
0: yeah but that's... my
1: question is not to interrupt you chelsea what was your plan like Okay, tell me when it gets deep. Once it gets deep, like, what were you going Girl, to Girl, I were
2: kept asking him that. That's water? why I think I got annoyed or, like, more freaked out and started pulling him because I was like, "Okay, you, you said know, he was going to do something here.
0: That tells me it wasn't even that deep.
2: No, it was mad deep. Like, I don't know how deep it was. I couldn't feel the bottom. Could not feel the bottom. And he was like, I'll let you know. And I literally kept asking him, okay, but then what are we going to do when we get there? Can I get on your back? Like, what's the plan? And he just was like, I'll let you know. It was, it was poor planning I think that's, I didn't feel supported. And then what was I gonna do? Put on the fucking, they told me to put on the little ring thing and go across. I probably should've just put the fucking ring on. I don't know. Anyway, Chelsea.
0: Well, for
2: reply,
0: let's see. Let's see. For reply, I would say this past weekend, um, I had friends come and it was like pretty busy like we went to UCLA has like an open uh, track where you can work out so they all worked out and I watched and that was pretty fun <laughs> and then we like ate really well like the food was great um yeah I mean I took an I actually took um took an edible before this episode so um we can continue
2: nothing to leave on red <laughs> no, no. So we can no. continue.
0: <laughs> nothing to leave on red yeah no life is good move to california i'm convincing people one at a time and it's actually quite successful i am i'm like a little mastermind people are actually moving out here or at least saying that they have plans to do so in the next two years so See you guys out here soon.
2: It's
3: great. I love that
2: you love it. I love that you're happy. You were nervous. I lo- I, yeah, I was
1: going to say, I love that for you. I, I don't know. I Like, it sounds really great, but then I'm like, when, how, what, where, you know? I know. It's like, you kind of have to be like kicked out or like. Yeah. But. If I make a lot of money. Like a shit ton of money that mm-hmm. I could just be like, I'm going to just get a crib in California.
2: Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So if anyone for wants to sponsor writers, me. One yeah. swim class at the Vetro YMCA is $184 for one class to just learn how to go underwater. Well, yeah, you have to go buy underwater. I got to figure this out. This is crazy.
1: Well, girl, you can't be drowning people and embarrassing yourself <laughs> out here. So figure it out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, maybe I'll do that for the month of May and be ready for the summer. I just can't imagine myself actually swimming. Girl, where were
1: you though. swimming? Coney Island? Girl,
2: I'm going to um fucking Spain this summer. I'm oh, about to, to be in the Canary Islands. I'm about to be in summer. Oh, that's gonna it's gonna be, be fun. Charles.
1: When are guess, you going man? to learn to swim between now and
2: the month of May? Going I'm, to I'm gonna Spain. get aggressive. <laughs> we get aggressive. We'll, check,
1: we'll check in on May 30th. We will check in and she's okay. gonna be drowning people. Anybody have a
2: hotline bling? No, I do not. Oh, look, Chelsea thinking.
0: It's not really a hotline bling, but I've been getting like strange text messages from people. What um, are you the last one, <laughs> The last one says, Hi, want to come over? C-U-M. I was picturing movie night and a surprise ending after. You must be kidding me.
1: Kind of hot.
2: Who the fuck is this?
0: Oh, my who God. Is that's... This? So I wrote, who is this? They wrote, oh, my God, that's so annoying. I must have messaged the the T.H.A. Wrong guy. Would you want to catch that movie with me? anyway?"
2: somebody's fucking
0: pranking you. <laughs> I said, I'm going to call the police for harassment.
2: <laughs> I stopped. Um, we're going to call this person's number on the Patreon. So if you want to hear what happens. You
3: need to subscribe. Oh. <laughs> what if they're
2: a murderer? Yeah, well, you will call from one of your we'll phone Block numbers. my block <laughs> your number or some shit. You gotta figure out who that is.
0: But is. Isn't that so weird? That is. I was like, if somebody's playing on somebody's my phone. Somebody's
2: trolling you, bro.
0: Yeah. and then no, like why are you
2: playing on my phone?
0: But as soon as I said I'm calling the police, they stopped.
2: Mm. Okay. <laughs> you, you would fucking make that reaction. <laughs> would say
1: that. Yeah, she's not She's not wasting time. I really don't like that. I don't like that
0: someone's playing on the phone.
2: Me she's don't like an like old lady.
0: Right, stop playing on the
2: phone. All right, y'all. Don't really
1: make me laugh. Let's
2: How's talk the Black girl doing shit. Let's do it. Like it
1: says, that's a Black girl doing shit.
2: So this week, our Black girl doing shit is Gianni of First Gen Money Musings. From overworked charter school teacher to work-optional real estate investor, Gianni is head muse and creator of First Gen Money Musings, a strategy and inspirational platform for first-generation wealth builders manifesting financial freedom in alignment with their holistic dreams and goals. Gianni shares her financial journey openly while providing action-oriented content to help fellow exceptionally diverse wealth builders wealth builders level up to access the life most meant for them. Hell yeah. (laughs) Welcome, Gianni. I have to ask before we even really get into this, I love that you call yourself the head muse of (laughs) first-gen money musings. What does that mean to be the head muse?
3: Yeah, just um, that I am the source of this creative inspiration for our respective financial freedom journeys. But this mission this community and space is not just of me it's it's a collective effort so just as people are inspired by me I'm inspired by them they're inspiring each other so you know we're all muses for one another
0: word and now a word from our sponsors Now that spring is well underway, let's swap out the winter look with a spring refresh. Our friends at Ulta Beauty recommended a few of the following must-haves. Starting with the eyes, Juvia's Place Allure Three Eyeshadow Palette. Indulge and be intrigued with Juvia's Place Queen Series, which holds six shades in each palette. That will give you a bright and refreshed look. Next, check out Black Opal True Color Skin Perfecting Stick Foundation with SPF 15, It comes in 21 shades. This long-wearing foundation delivers full coverage with a velvety finish to define your natural features. Complete this initial spring refresh with Mented Cosmetics Lip Gloss. These lip glosses are buttery, smooth, non-sticky, and perfect for day-to-night wear. And they come in seven colors but remember this is only the beginning of your spring refresh so head over to ulta beauty and shop now in store or online for all your essential spring refresh looks
2: this episode of black girls texting is sponsored by this is l this is l is period care inspired by nature L tampons contain organic cotton without the organic price and they have a 100% organic cotton core. L is the number one cotton brand in feminine care in the United States and I can let you know that all of our group chats are talking about it. Actually, just the other day, my homegirl came over and she saw my Box of this is L out in my bathroom, and she literally screamed. And we had a nice little key about how much we love the brand and how much using it makes us feel like we're doing something good for the earth and also makes us feel good that we're not putting something in our body that can be harmful. So we definitely suggest that you check out This Is L. Go to This Is L.
1: Hey, group chat, it's your girl, Shade and y'all know I am the queen of self-care, and I'm about to tell you more about how you can spring forward into the new season feeling good. This spring, I know we're all craving a getaway and some much-needed time off to reconnect with ourselves. Whether you're going far away or sticking closer to home, the getaway you're dreaming of is closer than you think. Take a real spring break at European Wax Center. European Wax Center are the experts in waxing for everyone. When you visit a European Wax Center, you get the best of the best. Their certified wax specialists are expertly trained in prepping, protecting, and pampering your skin. They're going to make you feel brand new. So don't wait for summer to get away from it all and recharge. Book yourself a moment of smooth with the wax experts. They even have an online booking system that makes getting a reservation super simple and forward and an app you can use. It's the EWC app to book your waxing service. Take a real spring break and book yourself a moment of smooth at European Wax Center. Make a reservation today. Your first wax is free. And now we are back with more Black Girls Texting
2: all right y'all it's time for the group chat and now let's get into this tell us about your journey from the classroom to work optional real estate investor because I remember when I first met you we were both teaching and kind of like lamenting on all of the craziness that it is love the kids but like the checks yes. aren't always hitting <laughs> the flexibility is not always there so like what made you leave and what was that journey like
3: yeah, so pretty much it's so funny. It started in I want to say like 2018. I uh, had just moved into a new apartment in Bedside with one of my classmates from Columbia, and um, she's white, but she's from a financially marginalized background, um, and we had to share our finances when we were applying for the apartment. And she actually worked for a nonprofit, I believe ACLU, and. Was making, I want to say maybe twenty to thirty k less than I was at the time. Like, I think I was making high sixties, and she was in her in, in the forties. But she had over like twenty thousand dollars saved in her savings alone, and um, had a substantial amount in her retirement account. And that's because she had just been so aggressive about saving and um, investing her money. And that was kind of the first time that I saw like, all right, well, here's this person who's, it's not about what you make, but what you keep, essentially. Mm. That's what I had learned from her. And it really motivated me to get my ish together because I'm like, oh no, girl, like, come on, we got to, look, we don't want to be working forever, especially in this job that we do not like. So from then I started aggressively Saving my money and investing and learning about personal finance and different ways I could be creative with my finances. Um, So, at some point, I had gotten to a point where I could save like 50% of my income and um, started learning about um, how folks were able to purchase multi unit properties with little to no money down. Uh, And one of my inspirations for that was Kendra Barnes of the key resource. And I want to say she's a DC native. I'm not sure, but um, she essentially had gotten funding from the USDA to uh, go to a historically black college completely free and um, was working at a government job and had learned essentially about house hacking. So she had purchased her first multi-unit property and, um, you know, I think it was 3% down, or maybe it was even 0% down for whatever program. So then I started learning about options like that for myself. And um, I had set out an intention. I remember posting it on my personal Instagram, like I'm going to be a real estate investor within a year. And, um, you know, I was a little bit nervous about that, because I'm like, I'm still, you know, making not more than $70,000, but we're gonna see how we're gonna make this shake. And um, within, yeah, within that year, I had purchased my first building in Pennsylvania. And that is, um, you know, my core fin- uh, real estate investment property. And I'm super excited to have that. And it was definitely a catalyst for my wealth building journey.
2: Yes. I feel like Shade might be able to relate to some of this now because she's in the midst of trying to get her investment property. She is shaking her head for those that can't see her. Shade, what are some of the like issues or challenges you're running up against? Maybe Gianni can relate. or Yes. Or give me
1: some knowledge. I mean, I think the hardest thing, and that's why I'm so shocked in terms of like the income you're making is that there's a lot of money that goes into real estate, like upfront that like, I think a lot of people aren't transparent about. So you think like, oh, oh okay. Like I get this loan. And then like people like speak of these like vague closing costs mm-hmm. and like all these other vague things that you need to have. And then when you start really like digging into the dollars and cents, I, at least for me, it seems like <clears throat> it's pretty damn expensive and it's very challenging to do and then knowing that you want to go into something and then for it to be profitable you're like risk there's a lot of risk seemingly to me um, to get involved so I guess my next question would be like like how did you save if you don't mind being transparent around Mm -hmm. how much you saved and like what that process looks like for you
3: yeah for sure so um after I so my school had paid for my master's degree and then I got a salary increase of about ten thousand dollars so I think toward um, end of summer in 2018, I was making around $76,000 and I had two roommates at at the time, which allowed me to save um, quite a bit. So I can't remember what my exact salary was at the time, but yeah, I was pretty much one paycheck was going straight to savings. So I think it was over $2,000, I want to say. So uh, and I was also contributing to my 403B, which is the nonprofit equivalent of a 401k. And I was, I want to say giving like 15% of my pre-tax income. <laughs> so that allowed me to like have, I mean, I was tagged at, taxed at a lower tax bracket because I was contributing a significant portion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still had a good amount to take away and pretty much, um, yeah, just, and I'm an aggressive investor as well. So high risk um, looking for a stock heavy portfolio, um, with high growth. So a lot of tech stocks, um, real estate and yeah, I think my return on my portfolio during that time was like nothing crazy, but like about 30%. But, and I had a, um, I want to say like a three or 4% match from my employer. So, Mm. That allowed me to have like a substantial nest egg there. And I think I also maxed out my Roth IRA. So that's about 6,000 in post-tax income in the real estate market. And within that year, I had just in my liquid savings, I think $24,000. So... In a year, that's amazing. Yeah, that was pretty... I was not playing games. I was like, no, like I'm about this retire early life like you know we're going to make this happen i and also i was very much motivated by the fact that i did not like my job mm-hmm. um i was extremely depressed and uh i'm someone who like finances is it's an emotional need of, for me so i need to be financially secure and in order for me to feel confident quitting my job at some point. I, my goal is to have at least a year's worth of ex- expenses saved up. So that's why I was saving my money so aggressively. I was primarily cooking meals at home. Um, I was still going out with friends, but um, mostly to local spots, which was pretty easy, living in bedside. you know, like there's a lot of cute little spots in the neighborhood at the time, or if I'm gonna take an Uber, sharing it with friends um, and pre-gaming, you know, not buying (laughs) drinks at the bar, Mm -hmm. but I did have a rule. If it was a black owned spot, I would buy at least one drink. So that was the only time that I was like purchasing alcohol. Um, and that was, that was pretty much it. And then I started looking at property late 2019, uh, in Philly, because I knew I was priced out of New York. Um, Mm -hmm. and Philly was still affordable at the time. And so I was looking for a multi-unit property where I could do a 40, um, what's it called? What is a loan called? Oh my God. I don't know why <laughs> okay. I'm blanking on it, but it's the one where it, FHA loan. FHA, people. I was like, yes, conventional FHA. <laughs> yeah, FHA. So either the 403B FHA, which is a renovation loan or just a standard FHA. Um, so I was looking for at least two unit properties. and um, what's interesting is with my credit score and the like the amount I had saved up and um, I don't have I didn't have any um, commercial debt, so no credit card debt or anything like that. I did have about fifteen thousand dollars in federal student loans, but because my, my um, interest rate was under, my highest one was maybe like 3.8%. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, so I got pre-approved for a for single family. It was like 380 something. But then when I uh, said I was actually looking at multi-units, it allowed me to be approved for more. So I think about half a million dollars is what I was approved for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because they consider rental income as a part of uh, your, your, whatever your income would be. So, um, that allowed me to broaden my horizon, but I still wanted to stay, you know, closer to what I had been approved for, for the single family, just to be financially strategic. And I saw a good amount of places. Um, there were a, a lot of great options and funnily enough, the place that I ended up going for, I had seen it because I had seen it in November, but then I actually met with my realtor in January of, of 2020. And, um, I was like, there's no way this property is going to be here. Cause it's just kind of like a unicorn property. And it was actually listed on my birthday, which is November 8th. So that's the first wow. time I saw it, but it's like, it's, I don't know if y'all are super familiar with Philly, but it's near where made in america is so right by mm-hmm. the philadelphia mm-hmm. philadelphia museum of modern art and that big old park and i'm like okay like this is only listed for it was listed for 375 and it's a store downstairs and then upstairs is a two bedroom one bathroom apartment fully renovated you know walking distance to the park walking distance to an aldi's like wa- walking distance to the main road and it was still available in january um and so, and that area is kind of like a, like a, a baby Dumbo, like if you were to go and visit. So I was like, okay, like, what's up? And my realtor was like, you should apply for it. And I was like, what? It's available. And um, interestingly enough, the previous offer had fell through um, and I got it for less. I got it for three 365 And at first they didn't want to let me use the FHA loan Mm -hmm. because it's a mixed use property, commercial and residential. And for FHA, the commercial has to be the smallest percentage of the entire property, but it was appraised at a rate of 51% residential, 49% commercial. And that is the story. I put down 11%, which was about $11,000. And some of my closing costs were, were covered by, um, the stellar, so that's how I was able to do it. Wow, wow! And clearly, you did a lot of
2: research throughout this. Yes. <laughs> you mentioned Kendra Barnes. Were there mm-hmm. any other resources, books, websites that you were like referencing during that time?
3: Yes, absolutely. So there's another um, gentleman by the name of Matt Garland. And his Instagram, I want to say is like MG, the mortgage guy. If any of you are familiar with Earn Your Leisure, it's a, yeah, that financial, personal finance podcast series, uh, MG, the mortgage guy has a series on there where he talks about um, investing in real estate. So he was one of my key resources again. Uh, so I would say it was primarily... No, Millionaire Mindsets is also a podcast that I loved listening to and hearing from. There was also um, a girl from D.C. Her podcast is called uh, Stacks in the City, and she was super inspiring for me because we were the same age, but by that time she had already had over a hundred thousand dollars saved and she had worked primarily government jobs as well, but she was just an aggressive, like saver and investor. And she was also, she had multiple properties. So I was like, okay, I'm seeing people like me who are in my age range who are doing this. So it was, uh, incredibly inspiring. Yeah. That's amazing. And I also heard you say like, that the
2: house had been, the property was listed on your birthday. And you mentioned a couple of things in telling your story where it felt like there was a lot of like divineness happening. And mm-hmm. I noticed that even on your website, you have, you offer coaching. And um, one of the, the phrases that you use is to, hold on, I got to find the phrase. Oh, it was manifesting confident cash flow what does Mm -hmm. that mean like is there a manifestation element involved in
3: this yes that's so funny I actually don't offer that service anymore but when I did it was it's I'm very much a spiritual person and uh, I think that language and the way you think is incredibly powerful so for me um, cash is king you know yes you can have investments set up for generational wealth that's an absolute non negotiable when it comes to working towards financial freedom. But having cash flow it's, uh, uh, sources that can replace, you know, um, maybe one primary income source and can also take care of your liabilities is super important. So for me, just really centered on like, the possibility of bringing, bringing that in and, um, helping to facilitate the mindset that this is absolutely possible and taking, um, taking my clients from in a, a mindset of scarcity or impoverishment to one of abundance and flow. And so one of the things I say is like money comes to me with ease and, um, you know, my prosperity is sustainable, things of that nature. So I'm always calling in that energy of wealth. Yeah, totally. I love
2: that. I was yeah, I was just, oh,
3: go ahead, Chelsea. Please.
0: I mean, I was going to ask about the the name of your company, First Gen Money Musings. Mm-hmm. Um, first Gen. Why why that name? Can you speak more yeah. to the to the name?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, for me, it makes sense as a first generation wealth builder. So some people might refer to first generation college student or a graduate or first generation American, and I'm a first generation wealth builder, um, because I come from a background where we don't have generational wealth. Um, There are things that I am uniquely experiencing as a wealth builder that I can speak to others who can relate directly to me. Um, There's different ways that we have to go about strategizing things because of considerations like having to take care of of family members because maybe they didn't build a retirement fund. So we are their retirement fund or, um, you know, there's the idea of like the black tax where you might be helping out family members um, because you're the person who is the most financially abundant or independent Um, or having to think about things like life insurance for the first time, because it's not commonplace or, um, developing an estate plan, so my musings or all my thoughts and things, that's where that name comes from specifically.
2: Yeah, something else, one of the services that you had listed or that you kind of talk about is how to get your clients to face their money fears. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you find that being connected to the experience of being a first generation generation wealth builder, and what are some of the money fears that you find people have?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. Yes, it comes from being a first generation wealth builder. I find that many people who have similar backgrounds to me, they um, are afraid of talking about money, they don't feel comfortable, maybe money is a huge source of tension, or alienation in their family. Um, it's associated with negative things like such as not having enough or having to make certain sacrifices that feel really uncomfortable and disruptive to their happiness because of money. And I find that many of um, my clients have been like avoidant because of their fears around money and just not wanting to engage that. And I mean, even if you aren't a first generation wealth builder, money is a challenging topic, right? We're only recently in the country really making grounds within certain states around salary transparency so if you just think about that that level of fear on a macro scale you know which is just such there's there's that and there's that juxtaposition against the way that money is so openly talked about in some of our media right like you know we getting money we did it all this but then when it comes to on an intimate level, we can't have those conversations, so um really facilitating an environment where we are empowered to talk to ourselves about money, talk to our communities about money, um be vulnerable, take action, also be, be like, "I'm here right now, but I'm working toward this, mm-hmm. and that's okay, not having shame about it,
1: yeah, the first thing I thought about when you said you kind of went into all these endeavors was like, weren't you scared? <laughs> 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 it's scary. <laughs> There's a lot of like, I think, anxiety around the risk in it. Mm-hmm. And, and like, if you're not knowledgeable on certain things, or like, you know, you can TikTok and YouTube and podcast yourself to death. But like, when it really comes down to like signing a dotted line, committing to pay back a loan, and like, you, you didn't know if you were going to get renters, like mm-hmm. having to go through that process. So I guess I'm just curious, like what made you feel confident to take the leap?
3: Yeah. Um, cause scared money don't make money. Period. And <laughs> like, I'm like, look, if I'm unhappy now, what, do, what do I have to lose? I'm not going to sit here any longer being depressed about my situation and complaining about it because nobody's coming to save me but myself. So it's time for me to take action and I'm going to feel forward. And so that was essentially my mindset. And it really, I really just had a dogged approach to changing my whole financial perspective to one of abundance. And thankfully, just feeling rewarded along my journey. Um, and it's having those things be confirmation and affirmation that I'm doing the right thing. Uh, when I first started sharing um, about my journey on my personal Instagram, it was kind of crazy because I was just getting so much positive feedback and, uh, things were just kind of blowing up and I didn't think it was that big of a deal for me, especially at first coming from a school like Columbia, I'm thinking well, my peers are all already doing this and maybe I'm the one who's behind, but then realizing that actually that's not true. Many of us have uncomfortable relationships with money. So it's it was really helpful for me to be sharing my journey.
2: And when you think about creating wealth and like down the line where you want to kind of arrive What does the lifestyle look like for you, I guess? So, because I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about when some people say that you're going to build wealth, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like spending a bunch of money, going on trips, buying bags. It's about like having your savings and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so what kind
3: of lifestyle do you envision yourself having or like, what are you working towards? Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to quote one of my friends, my good friend, Sunia a fly so I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with her brand, but she's an amazing black wealth builder as well. We're from the same class here at Columbia. And she says, I'm all about my big obnoxious bag and I'm here for it. You know, like us just leveling up our money, having pretty much everything. So yes, we have the foundation foundational, um, financial solvency and that aspect taken care of, but we also want to enjoy the luxuries in life and have our assets be funding those things so yeah I want I want that nice trip to Monaco I want that you know um, first class to Tahiti and all of that and I also want the option to completely opt out of everything meaning I don't I want to retire from corporate within a few years so that's something that I'm working toward and um, yeah. yeah, having having access to time wealth—that's one of the most important things to me. Ownership of my time, because especially as a person from a marginalized background, if you think about how Black people, Black Americans, um, we are such—we we actually are quite abundant and wealthy, and there's so much that. People are taking from us, drawing inspiration from what have you. If we had full, complete ownership of our our time and therefore happiness, imagine what we could accomplish. So it's like y'all taking from us when many of us have, you know, some scraps. So that's part of what motivates me to keep going as well. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You mentioned a little bit earlier, the FIRE movement. And just for mm-hmm. our, our readers who might not know, FIRE stands for financial independence, retire early. It's a financial movement defined by frugality and extreme savings and investment. That's why I asked you about how you're going to live your life. Yes. When I start hearing frugality, I'm like, wait, no, but I love to spend my money. Um, a little more on this, they say, by, spe- by saving up to 70% of their annual income, Fire retirement proponents aim to retire early and live off of small withdrawals from their accumulated funds.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's a huge thing. I've seen these people retiring at like 35. I'm like moving and living on islands and chilling.
3: Yeah.
2: Chilling. Yes. Um, but something else I know from your journey that you made the transition from teaching to tech, correct? Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. What was That's that what transition that like? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that transition was so interesting for me I have been I've been thinking about moving into tech since 2018 but really the pandemic was the catalyst so in March 2020 when we had went fully remote um, there were a bunch of engineering software engineering programs that were offering like free coding courses and classes so people could learn how to code and I was like I'm gonna just start learning how to code you know because there ain't no way I'm going back to the classroom after all of this like I just cannot do it it is time for me to go. Um, So yeah, I took a free uh, coding class. Uh, It was called like bootcamp prep. So I learned how to code in JavaScript and like the supporting languages. And then I also, at the time, my ex-girlfriend, she was someone who um, had managed to get all her schooling paid for. So she like, she went to Howard, like fully funded. She got her master's degree from NYU, fully funded with like PhD funding. So she inspired me to start to ask for more and try to get things for free. So then I started um, looking into scholarships and I got a scholarship for an engineering bootcamp, which allowed me, and it was like one of the top rated boot camps. So it helped me to feel more comfortable, like fully quitting my teaching job and just studying coding full-time and so yeah I joined a boot camp toward the end of the summer that was about four months and then I wasn't quite ready to go like looking for jobs at the time and it was incredibly hard y'all like that program was challenging I cried every single day it was like from nine to five it was hard um yeah and I had been going through some personal stuff during that time too so it was just like a lot for a transition, but I thought I had did horribly, but one of my teachers said that I um, had like the highest pair programming feedback and that's when you like work with someone else to code and like build things. And he recommended me for the software engineering teaching fellowship and also because of my background as a teacher. So, and, and that's one of the things I preach to now to my community how much teachers are actually in demand for these high-paying remote tech positions because of the myriad of skills that we offer, you know, as negotiators, counselors, um, uh, project managers. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. So so that meant that I was working with the next cohort for another four months. And um, at during that time, I could also like, continue to learn, continue building things, networking with people, seeing what my different job options are. And by the end of the program, I had like networked. Really, I started looking for a job within the last month. um, Because I was like, I don't know if I want to be a software engineer anymore. This is hard. But so I started looking into roles that were software engineering adjacent, meaning they Um, benefited from my technical expertise, but I wouldn't necessarily be in charge of like pushing out new product iterations. And so I had narrowed down a few roles, but then another one of my friends from Columbia who also taught herself how to code, like she was a paralegal and she had, um, she's like very popular on YouTube. She had released a video about becoming a developer advocate at Google And I had never heard of that. And essentially a developer advocate is a software engineer that teaches other developers about the company's product, like how to integrate it. You know, we build like sample applications, create video tutorials, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, I have this teaching background. I have this strong, like digital content creation background. Now I have this like, you know, fellowship and bootcamp experience. I'm just going to go for it. And I actually started hearing back from a lot of great companies and long story short within three weeks of me finishing my fellowship, um, I had accepted an offer. Um, and I work at zoom now as a developer advocate.
2: Lit. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, um, I get I, all of us work in tech, like Chelsea, do you You, could, you work in tech, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'm saying that to say that you don't necessarily have to code or do like technical things to get, a job in tech. Right. Um, and I wonder what are some of the perks and benefits that you found in working in tech that just made it a like compelling industry?
3: Yeah. Well, one, the money. So <laughs> I'm like, there is, okay. There's no cap on this bag. And I love that for me. Um, additionally, it's a, uh, industry where you can, you're rewarded for learning. So the more that you learn and, Develop in your subject matter expertise, like the more you can earn. And that's not the case for being a teacher. You know, I was a teacher for four years. I had my master's doing all these different things, yet I wasn't seeing that level of growth. And it was completely stressful. I also like that working in tech is location independent. So it allows me to travel and, um, you know, still make the money that I'm expecting to make. Uh, my hours are pretty flexible because I know that I have like in-demand skills and that I am an asset to the, the company. And that's also part of why I went the software engineering route. I didn't know about all of the other types of positions that exist in tech, but from my own confidence, sometimes I have to do things the hard way because I'm like, I need to be over-prepared if I'm making this leap. So let me get the hardest thing out of the way first, which for me was software engineering and, um, then if that that didn't work out, at least I now have this technical expertise where I can translate all of the things that sometimes scare and intimidate people and I can be an asset in that regard. So um, yeah, I've been loving it. My benefits are great. I love my team and it has really allowed me just a level of happiness that I have never experienced before. That's beautiful. I want to hop
2: into our, what would you do segment, which is where we get listener letters. Cause we have a, le- mm-hmm. a letter that's really geared around employment. And I, and I know that's something that you coach people on and you produce a lot yes. of content around. So I thought maybe you can help us with that. But before we mm-hmm. move to that, if there were, if you could name like five things that people should have right now, if it's like a savings account, a budget, just basic things, what would those be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some tangible takeaways, actionable steps.
3: Yeah, you know, it's personal finance is very personal. So, like for me personally, I don't believe in budgeting. Not or not that I don't believe in it. It's like I'm not, it's not something that I like to do. I how I save the money I did is I hit my savings goal first. So whatever I know I can afford, that is going into the bank, either through direct deposit, and then I'm gonna work with what I have left. But beyond that, I believe in making more money. I don't think you can save your way, like, out of um, financial scarcity, like, if I want, if I want something, so, and that's where I kind of differ on the FIRE movement. Like, yes, I'm gonna save a lot, and I'm also just gonna keep making more. I'm gonna job hop, I'm gonna demand more money. The price is just gonna keep going up, so that I can afford what I, you know, the lifestyle that I, I deserve, quite frankly. So, I would say for people to hit their savings goal first, that is a number one tangible step. Um, and maybe you're not comfortable with the number. Just put start making it a habit. Um, and if it, you don't want to make it a habit, set it up on auto deposit so that you know even if it's fifty dollars to start every two weeks, it's just going into a savings account that you absolutely do not touch. Another thing that I would recommend is um, investing into a retirement account. So if that's a Roth IRA, which, you know, depending on if you, if you make, I can't remember the maximum, but it's like low hundred something as a single person, you can contribute contribute to a Roth IRA. Um, And that's a post-tax account where they have like, I don't know what the maximum is now, y'all. I can't contribute to a Roth IRA anymore because of my salary. But um, <laughs> um, I want to say the max is like 6500 a year. But once you contribute, you can invest in um, ETFs or index funds that allow your money to be working for you and growing with the, with the market. And conservatively, that's 6% per year. Okay. So just a quick recap, hitting your, your savings goal first, investing in a retirement account, be it through a Roth IRA or a traditional, um, IRA, like, uh, through your employer. So 401k 403b. Um, and I can't remember what the government equivalent is, but if you just Google it, it'll come up. You said five. Actually, Maybe five is ambitious. Let's go to
2: three. <laughs> three <a> nice number.
3: <laughs> um, beyond that, really just reflecting and thinking, like, is how I'm spending my money contributing to the life that I want for myself? And that requires a lot of self-awareness, because one, I definitely believe in spending money to earn and attract money and abundance into your life. But are you spending it on the right things? So like, it's okay to, I'm, I'm, I'm a proponent, like if you want to get your nails done, your hair done, whatever, do that. Ain't nobody trying to look crusty out here. And <laughs> like, you have to kind of dress and feel the part to like move into the energy that you want to attract into your life. So I'm not someone who's like, oh, you can't do all these extra things if you're trying to save money because money is energy. It's about embodying, what you seek to become, mm. but at the same time, maybe some of your other choices aren't really aligned on getting you to that goal. So, like, if you want to be a boss, right? But a lot of your money, you're um, you're having a credit card bill that's getting maxed out on fast fashion. That's not what boss boss girls do. No, we <laughs> need to build that capstone wardrobe. So start saving the money. You know what I'm saying? Like and just be intentional. Like, I'm not saying don't shop, but maybe you could go to the thrift store and get some more, you know, quality pieces, what have you, um, after you've built your budget instead of like blowing your money on h H&M. and I love it. I think that's Girl very leaves, are you
2: listening? <laughs> Yes, I hope you were taking notes girls. Um, okay. Thank you so much for that. Oh, Let's go over to the what would you do, all right?
3: So Mm -hmm.
2: this person says, I'm a 30-year-old publicist from New York City. I've spent my entire professional career working for various PR firms in Mexico City, which is where I've lived for the past seven years after I graduated from college. I conduct roughly 90% of my work in Spanish, and I've worked for top clients in spirits, hospitality, and entertainment. I love what I do. I get to be creative and leverage my natural skills for connecting people. However, working in Mexico has presented a few challenges. I solely make pesos. And sometimes I feel like the scope of my work is really limited. I'd love to work with more international clients. In some ways, I'm also watching my friends back home advance in their careers and incomes, and I'm worried about catching up. I think I need to break into the US market and apply my skill set where I can earn more money. I'm nervous that I have no work experience in the States and that I have to get an entry-level position, even with seven years of experience under my belt. How can I hack my resume to make my work experience appealing to markets in the States? Also, I haven't spent a lot of time on my LinkedIn, a lot of time on my LinkedIn? Is it actually important? A friend of mine told me that I can set my LinkedIn profile to let employers know I'm looking for work. But what if my boss sees that?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot there. here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually developing a program uh, and I've been helping some of my one-on-one clients join team jobs ATM and ATM stands for jobs apply to me. So essentially I have reverse engineered my LinkedIn profile as well as my clients so that we don't apply for jobs. The recruiters are coming to us and offering high paying positions. Some of the things that I recommend um, folks to do is to one, start finding those jobs that are interesting to you, pulling out those keywords and making sure to incorporate that very language into how they're talking about their respective experiences. This is important because it helps your profile and your resume to align um, more favorably with the ATS or applicant tracking system. The higher you score, the more likely a recruiter is to reach out to you and they see you as this position, right? So that's one thing. Making sure that uh, this person creates an optimized headline for the respective roles that they're seeking. So... um, you know, say, it, I, I can't rem- remember everything that they said. I'm not really familiar with publicist work, but um, say they were interested in tech sales. So I would put two to three related positions. So my headline would say something like customer success manager, uh, technical account manager, and account executive, right? All separated by like an individual line. And then all my experiences would speak to that. Next, optimizing their skills section to again speak to those very skills that they're seeing in the job descriptions. So, you might talk about um, something one way, like um, planning and development to um, make the system better, right? Instead for, for like say a project management role, how they would talk about that is process optimization. So it's saying the exact same thing, but the emphasis is on using that exact language, putting that in your skill set, um, And that helps them recruiters to see you for that high paying position as opposed to like whatever else that they might be doing. So I think that kind of gets at this, what this person was asking is whether LinkedIn was important. Absolutely. It is the number one tool used by recruiters today. And once you have your LinkedIn doing the heavy lifting for you, you really don't have to do much. For myself, I actually have to turn my open to work off because I get so many high quality um, emails or emails a day. Like Right now it's off and I had three recruiters email me and three recruiters message me today on LinkedIn. So that's wow. a total of six. And they're from companies that you recognize. So that's what I'm saying, y'all get on team jobs, ATM, because I like to move with ease. I don't want to do, do no heavy work. Right. Yeah. All about deploying the strategy to, you know, have my experience speak for itself.
2: Yeah. And on that note, I, you had posted something recently about like, you don't write cover letters. Mm hmm. Talk to us about that. How do you get around the cover letter? Because I can't stand cover letters. That was really funny. I know. Yes, I do not write cover letters. They (laughs) do. They still ask.
3: Jesus.
0: LinkedIn has been my my success. LinkedIn and network.
3: Yes, right. That's what I'm talking about. Using LinkedIn and network. But that was really funny because I had. I I hadn't made a tweet about that. And it like went viral on Twitter. And it was because one of my friends had DM would me asking if I had any of my old cover letters, like for her sister. And I was like, girl, I have not written a cover letter since like, maybe I was applying for a banking internship, like, you know, a long time ago. So um, I had just, I decided to make like a quick mini thread, not expecting anything of it. But essentially, in that thread, I talked about how Um, I have a little template that I use where I will find a job. One, I prefer not to apply to any jobs that don't have a cover letter. But if there is one that I like and it does ask for a cover letter, it's really easy to use LinkedIn to find the recruiter because on the job, it'll usually say who posted, which recruiter posted the job. So then you can message the recruiter saying something like, hi, you know, I see you're the recruiter for exposition. Um, I would love to connect for 10 to 15 minutes um, about um, or I see that uh, based on my experiences, this position would be a great mutual fit. Can we connect for 10 to 15 minutes about how I can um, you know, be, be a competitive candidate for this role? And that's all predicated on one, having the experience and also making sure that your LinkedIn is on point so that when they click on your link, they're like, yeah, let me talk to this candidate. And a lot of recruiters have really liked that approach from me because it shows confidence, um, being assertive and going after what you want. Also just um, being strategic and resourceful. They can tell that I've done my homework and recruiters because of the market right now love connecting with people who are excited about a role or opportunity because sometimes they can't get a text back. So if you out here are like, look, I'm, I, this looks like a great mutual fit. I would like to be a competitive applicant. They're more likely to help you. Mm. Um, yeah, so that has been my approach when I was applying to jobs.
2: And you mentioned something earlier about like continuing to like level up, take new opportunities. Are you of any mm-hmm. sort of mindset that you have to spend like a year at a job or a certain amount of time without looking so that you don't look flaky? Is that a
3: real thing? Mm. Um, I think it depends. I think that um, we're in a very interesting market right now. And I would say in tech, you have a lot more flexibility about your mobility. Um, So I see people job hop from as little as like six months into a new opportunity. And it's also okay. Sometimes you, you get into a role and you're excited about it but then it's not a it's not a great culture fit like you're not happy for whatever reason I'm not about sticking around and doing something you don't want to do like life is too short and I think the pandemic has really emphasized that for many of us and people understand that on a more broad level too so they understand like okay like this wasn't the right fit and you're your job hopping so for me I think as long as you're there um I would say it's okay to like job hop after a year. Focus on getting what you need to out of that company. You know, maximizing your skill set, growing, learning, connecting with folks. And then, if you're trying to get that big obnoxious bag, as my <laughs> friend Sonia likes to say, you have to job hop. And that's what she has done. Um, you know, to now earn. I think her compensation is like over like three hundred sixty something thousand, like base is just one ninety. So, and oh, wow. that's just from job hopping as a product manager. And I'm like, girl, you that's teaching me? Oh, no, know, know yeah. I need to just keep it pushing. Yeah. I
1: interviewed someone who was in the role for three months, and we were like, "What? Like, why? Like, what is this about?" And he basically just like sucked the company's dick. And we were like, "That's valid." He was like, "How could I miss like?" toss up an opportunity to work at this company like you guys are the best and blah 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 and Uh, we're all like
2: word you're right (laughs) 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 right ladies any final questions for Gianni before we let you go
1: we we don't have to exchange phone numbers because girl (laughs) I'm gonna need the details but (laughs) yeah like the questions I have would make this podcast be 10,000 hours. So we'll to take it <laughs> offline and I'll share book the her. tips. Oh. Book her.
2: How about that? True. Gianni, tell Facts. us how we can book you, what kind of services you offer. Yes. yes.
3: Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I my calendar is actually closed for the next two months, but. um. Well, well.
0: <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> and yet another stream of income. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs>
3: But I think folks, the best way to stay in touch with me would be to um, follow me on my social media platforms. Most active on Instagram at First gen Money Musings and on Twitter at um, it's slightly different because of the character length. but it's um, first the number one ST Gen Money Muse on Twitter. And that's where I'm most active. I will be releasing some uh, mentorship programs. Down the line, I'm actually in a new business development program to help me scale my business. So I'm super excited about that. And I'll have some new offerings coming shortly once I'm done with that to just help me sp- spread that impact, lift as I climb. And, you know, we out, we out here getting to this bag and this financial freedom. A big obnoxious bag. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gianni.
2: Thank you. This is amazing. This really was. Well. <laughs> All right
0: all right well that's the show follow us on instagram at black girls texting on twitter at black girls text one and everything else is black girls texting the patreon is where it's at do we have any sweatshirts left for sale the new ones we do you can still get some okay i know we're sold out in some sizes and colors but you can still get some so head on over to blackgirlstexting.com and get some sweatshirts
2: Bye. Love you for listening. Bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.